So this is my last, last time preaching as the assistant pastor here, which is a bit emotional for me. So if I cry, don't cry too. Um, and so today's going to be probably a lot more preaching than teaching. So what I mean by that is there'll be exhortation and encouragement. And hopefully we'll learn a bit about the Bible and about Jesus on the way. But I really want to encourage you with my, my last sermon. Um, it's been a fantastic couple of years. It's been two years and three months now. And I feel like I've grown so much over this time. I've seen you grow over this time. Grow um, particularly in, in depth of relationship with God and with each other. And that's more important than growth in numbers every time. So I've seen you grow, I've grown. I've also shrunk, though, you might have noticed. Uh, um, I've lost 18 kilos since I started at Williamstown Church of Christ. And one of my weight loss secrets, apart from marrying an amazing, healthy cook, that is that's my first secret. I've learned that vegetables are a thing that can be consumed. Um, and my, one of my other secrets is running. I've gotten into running. And, and when I, I run, I wear this T-shirt. Williamstown Church of Christ. I got given this by the, the crew at Helping Hand. And I often run when I wear this T-shirt. And I want you all to stand up with me and, and enter the experience of, of when I go for a run. And so we've got our candles to fill the um, room. We had a gas sort of smell at the start of the morning. <laughs> Um, now we're going to have some body odour, but we've got these candles to sort of, you know, cover that smell. So everyone, just, just start running. Just run on the spot as if you're running with me. I'm going to do a lap, and I'll see you in a minute. Keep running. Keep going, keep going. Don't stop. I see you. Now I'm coming up behind you. Watch out. Keep going. Don't stop. Oh, keep running. Keep running. Oh, oh you're all getting past by me. You're all getting past by me. I'm too fast. I'm just too fast. Oh. You can sit down. Thank you all. This is my running t-shirt. When I pass you all, you see... A church anyone can come to. Willychurch.org.au my, my idea when I, I go running in this t-shirt is that I'll, I'll pass the fools that are slower than me. And as I pass them, they will receive an invitation to church. I like to think that the initial dejection of being passed by a short, sweaty guy ends up turning into a gift. They're challenged to go faster. They go, if that, that guy can run fast, so can I. But even more so, they, they receive a warm invitation to Williamstown Church of Christ, a church anyone can come to. And Willie Church is a church anyone can come to. It's one of the things that I love most about this church. And it's because of you. You are up for showing love and kindness, service, and care to anyone. And one of my prayers for this church 
is that your egalitarian hospitality and communal care would continue to grow and flourish. And that your service of mercy and compassion would be sustained by Jesus. Jesus, the great servant of all. The man who opened the kingdom of God to all and invites anyone in. His church is a church anyone can come to. So we're going to read from Mark in our series, and we're going to see how Jesus models this and how he might be activated and sustained to participate in his mission. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down the sea to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So, we have more stories of Jesus healing and casting out demons. We shouldn't tire of this. Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre. We shouldn't tire of stories of Jesus healing and casting out demons. It's, it's very common to Jesus' ministry. It's, it's common to Mark's gospel. And so we can get used to it. But I pray that we might always be shocked and awed somewhat by the love, power and kindness of Jesus. There is more going on in these stories, though. They, they are not just incredible stories of healing. You see, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. His mission is to announce and usher in the kingdom of God to God's people, Israel, and then to be crowned as their king through his sacrificial death. But in this passage today, we see Jesus healing Gentiles. Salvation, it turns out, as the Old Testament prophesied, salvation is also for the nations. In the first story, Jesus honours the faith of a woman who's from Syrian Phoenicia. We saw in Mark 5 him, him honour the faith of a Jewish woman who touched his cloak and her bleeding stopped after 12 years. Now we meet a Gentile woman with great faith as well. And her interaction with Jesus is, is pretty crazy, I think we can admit. She has a demon-possessed little daughter, which must be so hard and sad. 
a demon-possessed little daughter. And so she falls at Jesus' feet and begs him to heal her. And yet, initially, Jesus rejects her. Doesn't sound like the Jesus we often talk about. He says, First, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. He's saying to this Gentile woman, He's saying, Well, actually, I've come first for the children of God, Israel, not the Gentiles. So, it's not your turn. Quick as anything, though, I love this. She plays along. She says, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. This woman is the only character in Mark, apart from Jesus himself, to call him Lord. Notice also that she doesn't kick up a fuss about being called a dog. She doesn't ask to be commended for her faith. She just continues petitioning, begging Jesus to heal her daughter. She says, Lord... Lord, even the dogs under the table, they eat the children's crumbs. And Jesus, who's a legend, he says, for such a reply, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. And she goes home and finds her daughter lying on the bed, the demon gone. What a story. What a saviour. And then we have the the second story, a man who's, who's deaf and could hardly talk. And it doesn't say he is a Gentile, it doesn't say where he's from, but given that we're in the region of the Decapolis, we can assume he's a Gentile too. And Jesus touches the Gentile man. He puts his fingers in his ears, and then he spits and touches his tongue. That's quite intimate. Jesus looks up to pray, and the man's ears are open, his tongue loosened. And then as often happens in Mark, Jesus asks the people not to spread the news, but they can't help themselves. Classic crowds. I'd I'd be telling people to. It says they were overwhelmed with amazement. They said he has done everything well. So how does this little section of, of Mark, sort of one of the last stories of Jesus' ministry before we sort of start watching Jesus talking to his disciples a lot about uh, the cross and being a servant of all. How does this relate to being a church anyone can come to? Well, we are the church of Jesus. And Jesus is our priest, prophet and king. And Jesus is a king anyone can come to. Even the Gentiles. Jesus affirms that there is a legitimate priority priority in his mission to the Jews, but he does bring healing and salvation to the nations too. Jesus dignifies the humanity of the Gentiles. Gentiles literally means the, the people who are not Jews. That's who we're talking about. And the Jews referred to people who were not Jews, referred to Gentiles as dogs. And Jesus, even Jesus uses a Jewish saying which refers to them as dogs. But that doesn't mean he treats her like a dog. In fact, it seems he's actually compelled by her fervent faith. He mercifully relents. Isn't it incredible we have a God who mercifully relents when we come to him? And he heals her daughter. He dignifies the Gentile man too. He touches him. He, he acts out his prayer because this man can't hear, right? 
his death. Is that Jesus, he puts his fingers in his ears and then takes it out. He puts his hand on his tongue. He's acting out. He's touching and acting out what he's going to do. He dignifies his humanity. And then he heals him. When we look at the story of the woman, we see Jesus talks to the woman. He listens and responds. He doesn't condescend to her, but he talks theology in riddles just as he does with his disciples. He talks about the priority of of the Jewish people before the rest of the world in God's plan of salvation. And it turns out that this, this woman actually understands her need and the significance of the bread of Jesus that Jesus offers far more than the disciples did. There's a couple, couple sermons before we started hearing about bread. And this woman, more than anyone, gets the significance of, of the bread of Jesus. Even the crumbs are of need. And then the man, Jesus, Jesus takes him aside to be in private. Away from the watching world. That is dignifying. To not just, not just do something nice to someone in front of people, but actually say, hey, you're so important, I'm going to take you aside. Away from anyone watching, just to have this interaction just with you. And in secret, he, he touches him, he prays for him, and he heals him. It's amazing how touch can dignify someone. Jesus dignifies the humanity of the Gentiles. He really is the servant of all, a light to the nations, the saviour of the world. He's the servant king, not just of the Jews, but of all people. He's a servant and saviour king that anyone can come to. And so these anyone, these Gentiles, by the end of our passage, they're saying he has done everything well. This sounds a lot like what God said when he created the world in Genesis 1.31. It says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Jesus has done everything well. Both of these passages talk of the God who created and sustains humans and who heals and restores humans. Whether Jew or Gentile, male or female, Rich or poor, white or Asian, or any colour, class or creed. All people are humans. God saw all that he had made after making humans. And it was very good. For he has done everything well. Some people we might not usually talk to. Some people we might not usually touch. Others we might not like to listen to. Some people we might not think are intelligent enough for us, intelligent enough for our sayings or our doctrine. Others might need healing, prayer, or care. May we hear those people, heal those people, talk to and listen to and touch and love and care for those people. May this be a church that anyone can come. I know we are. I know you are. And I'm going to keep running with this T-shirt on, even when I finish here, because I want everyone in Parkville, and maybe I have to come for some runs in Williamstown to keep it a bit more local, 
I want everyone to know that this is a church that anyone can come to. And I'm going to be recommending people to this church for the rest of my ministry and beyond. I've seen it and experienced it and it has been inspiring to me, Willie Church. It honestly has. That this is a church that anyone can come to. And so I encourage you to keep going and keep growing in that. How? Humbly worship and follow the King. The King who anyone can come to. He is the source of love and care and kindness and compassion. Who was here on Easter Sunday for Tiff's fantastic testimony? In her testimony, Tiff said, Maybe I could try by my own strength. Maybe I could. But Jesus is the only infinite source of life and love. His river never runs dry. His stream of living water is eternal. To follow Jesus, follow King Jesus and worship him humbly. That is how you will be, we will be a church that anyone can come to. It flows out of relationship with Jesus and and a loving relationship with each other. The families who so often are great at loving others and the families who are often good at loving themselves or each other. The churches that are often so great at at serving others are really often good at the hard work of loving their brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we're doing good work in the world or out there and not loving one another in here or not staying close to Jesus, We'll burn out. But he's the infinite source of love and life. So stay close to Jesus and stay close to each other. Mission flows out of discipleship. May we come to him as, as humble dogs full of faith. That's what our friend in the story was. She wasn't turned off by Jesus' words about Gentiles being dogs. She just kept begging Jesus. You know, the gospel can be offensive and exclusive. Often we don't get what we want. Imagine today if Jesus called the Gentiles dogs. There'd be like 20 blogs, you know, going out straight away. This woman, though, she doesn't clap back on the internet. She responds in humble petition before Jesus. She doesn't deny or contest Jesus' words. Rather, she keeps on begging. A humble beggar for grace. Let's not be soured by when the gospel is offensive. Let's not be soured by when we're humbled by the Holy Spirit's conviction. Or maybe someone even speaks a word to us that says, Hey, I I found that hard. I found that offensive. I'm hurt by you. Let's not be defensive. Let's be repentant. And I've seen that in you guys. And it's beautiful. But let's keep going. Humble for grace. Because salvation is first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And we are sinners. One song I heard, I heard it's a weird song, you know, it said, We are the living dead at best. I was like, that doesn't fit the song, that's so negative. Hey, it's true. We are the living dead at best. And that can be hard to stomach, but it's humbling. And we are saved by the grace of God. 
Our own worthiness can't carry us anywhere. If our worship becomes muddled with feelings of self-worthiness, it quickly becomes self-worship. If our discipleship is about our own discipline or performance, not all about him, it easily becomes introspective Christian self-improvement. I say these things because I struggle with these things. I love introspective Christian self-improvement. It's so fun. Lighting a candle, reading a Christian book, you know. And those things are great. Like, they are so good. And of course, like St. Augustine prayed, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. I'm all in on that stuff. But for too long, I've, I've backed myself as a good Christian and made following Jesus too much about me. The way we become like Jesus is predominantly by taking up our cross and dying to ourselves to be like him, to love others like him, to die to our needs for the sake of others. And so it starts in this family, like I said, by dying to ourselves for one another. If you've got a a ring on your fourth finger, it's going to start by dying to yourself for the sake of your spouse. If you've got children like we celebrated today, it's going to start by dying to yourself for the sake of them. But this is not just for people with with nuclear families that the church can sometimes idolise too much. This is for everyone. Because we are called to be brothers and sisters in Christ, even above the biological relationships we have. And so we die to ourselves for, for the sake of one another here and be a church that, that loves one another here even when it costs and even when it hurts. And Jesus has got you. I'm not saying to, to passively like let yourself be trampled for the sake of others. I would never wish that upon us. There's something about cross-bearing discipleship. It's humble. It's full of faith. There's beggars for grace. And if that's our posture then we will be a church that anyone can come to. And we will be a church that everyone wants to come to because we will be a church of people who look like Jesus. Now, of course, paradoxically, we are also children of God who can approach his throne with confidence and boldness. And so our security, identity and confidence is as children of God. And yet our humility is that of a beggar for grace. He has done everything well. He dignifies the humanity of everyone. May we do the same in humble submission to him. Follow King Jesus, church, closely and humbly. May we not take ourselves too seriously. Wear sandals on the platform sometimes. Or no shoes. May we not take ourselves too seriously. May we hold all of this quite lightly. May we hold it all lightly. And yet hold on to him. And hold on to one another tightly. I believe this church will continue to be a church anyone can come to. And a church that inspires people like me to love anyone just like Jesus did. 
There are people in this church who can't or couldn't read. And the way you guys talk and teach and love showed me that they could still know the Bible. Who remembers Mark Woodley? He couldn't read. And yet he knew the Bible because the way you loved him. That guy's life was changed by this church. There are people in this church who can't speak or can't speak up for themselves. You advocate them. I've seen it. You persevere in conversation. You love them. There are people in this church who can't make it to church, whether it's because of age or health or distance. And you take communion to them. Or you call them up or you hang out with them so they can still have community. There are people in this church who can't afford certain things they need and you, you pull out your wallets and make those things a possibility. There are people in this church who can't drive. I've seen you drive them places, take them to appointments, all that. There are people in this church who don't have family. I've, I've heard of and I've seen Christmas lunches and dinners and all sorts of beautiful things, birthdays, so that they could have family. I could keep going. I've been preaching up here for over two years now. You all know that I can keep going. <laughs> but this is my last sermon. I'll say some words next week to thank everyone. I want to say thank you for being a church that anyone can come to. It's amazing. You guys are incredible. I love you, Willie Church. So does Jesus. So stay close to him.